You see that stupid number in your checking account? It's called wasted potential. Now I'm gonna let you in on a little secret about something called a portfolio. And it's not gonna build itself, okay? Without you, it's just another number on a screen. Like a jungle full of bananas and no ape in sight. Well, I'm gonna take you to that jungle. Because in the case of these portfolios, it is gonna be up to each and every one of you. My speculative degenerates, my apes, and of course my apets, who will not hit the cell until your account either flies or flops and dies! <laughs> Hello everyone, and welcome to Always Picking Electric Securities, hosted by yours truly, Alex Marku. On today's episode, we're going to discuss just exactly what my apes portfolio is going to contain, Monday Night Football between the Bears and Steelers, a little NBA, and finally college basketball starting on Tuesday. Then I'll wrap up the episode with a little history lesson on the stock market if you care to listen. Financial Disclaimer Since this is an investing podcast, I will give out the disclaimer that everything I do on this podcast has the potential to reach 100% loss. Hello, Ape family, and welcome to the investing segment of this podcast. For this segment, in a typical week, I'll be giving an update on our portfolio. I'll be letting you know which stocks might be making some noise for the upcoming week. I'll let you know into some of the positions I'm looking into and at what price targets they are. And if we decide to make any moves on this podcast, I'll disclose any commitments I do so and make sure that you have the opportunity to follow along. Since this is only the first episode, I'm going to ease into this week by letting you know which brokerage accounts I'll be opening up to run this portfolio. For my stocks and investing options, I've decided to use TD Ameritrade primarily because I have a lot of other brokerage accounts open on their personal accounts. For trading crypto, I've decided to use Coinbase, and the only reason is because I found out that they offer the most coins on their exchange. Then lastly, for gambling, I'm going to be using the online website MyBookie. Now in terms of gambling, that is one account I won't recommend you open up unless you feel safe to do so. It also might have some pressures to do with which state you live in. But either way, Gamble at your own risk, and I'm just here to provide some picks. Now that I've cleared up where I'm going to be buying all of my securities from, how much are we going to be putting in? Well, I'm going to be starting this portfolio, which is $1,000, primarily because it's an easy number to keep track of, and it's a low enough amount that anyone can start with if they wanted to. Then, at the end of every month, I'll be adding $100 extra into the portfolio. Outside of that, the world's our oysters, ladies and gentlemen. I'm going to have $1,000 to start off with, and then 100 bucks of insurance at the end of every month to keep this podcast portfolio up and alive. It's going to be up to me to try and make it a profitable one. Because I'll know that if I'm making this portfolio a profitable one, then I'm making money in my listeners' pockets. And that's what I want to do. It also probably wouldn't hurt me if you told your friends how you were making money off of my podcast. 
But let's not count the chickens before they hatch now, because we got plenty of work to do. My plan before the next episode, which will be this Wednesday, is to have my TD Ameritrade and Coinbase account set up. I plan on putting $500 into TD Ameritrade and splitting half of it in stocks and the other half in options. I plan on putting $250 in Coinbase, and then I'm going to leave $250 in the MyBookie gambling account. Together, that should total about $1,000 to start off my portfolio. I'll be using an Excel spreadsheet I've created to track the numbers on all of these accounts. At the beginning of every podcast, I'll let you know the percentage change from the last episode of this portfolio. In a way, you can think of this podcast as an ETF, and I'm a single manager that's running the portfolio. I'd also like to think that I'm creating a new ETF in the market. A truly transparent one. One in which everyone will know what I'm going to pick before I truly pick it. I'm not here on this podcast to try and time the market and beat it. I'm here on this podcast to try and show you why you should trust yourself with your money and why you should invest it in the market itself. By Wednesday, once the accounts are set up and all the money is put in, I will start giving out securities that I'm looking into for this portfolio. I'll end this investment segment with a little bit of stock market news we have for the upcoming week. On Monday during the stock market after hours, AMC and Roblox are going to be giving out their earnings report. On Tuesday, Coinbase is going to have their earnings report, and Wednesday, Disney is going to have theirs. Now, there are plenty of other companies that are going to have their earnings report, but these are just the ones that I have my eye on. Well, Ape family, I look forward to starting this portfolio in the upcoming weeks. Remember, if you don't want to follow along with my portfolio right away, you don't have to. Wait until you feel comfortable enough to start investing your own money. And then I'll be waiting here for you. Whenever you're ready, I'll grab your hand and I'll help you cross the street. I'll show you that it wasn't really that scary, and the next time you might not even need to hold my hand. Until next time, ape out. A warm welcome to all my degenerates out there. This will be the gambling segment of my podcast. I've already got the MyBookie account set up and running. I'll be using this upcoming week as a practice and trial run to show you how I place my bets. I'm a huge fan of parlay betting, which is why on this account I'm going to be doing a lot of round-robin betting when I choose my picks. I'll explain what that truly means as we go further down the line and give you some examples even today. But what this really means is I can choose a full game slate up to 8 picks and it parlays all of my selections for me. Are you still a little bit confused? Well don't worry, because all of my picks that I say here on this podcast will be relayed to my Twitter account, which is at MoneyMarku and that's with capital M's. I'm also about to give you an example of what my round robin betting looks like, because I've made my picks for Monday and Tuesday. Now I won't consider these two bets I place for my podcast portfolio, primarily it's just so you can get an idea of how I do my betting. So without any more stalling, let's get into my Monday pickings. Starting off with Monday Night Football, I really like the visiting Chicago Bears in Pittsburgh covering the spread at plus 7. I think both teams are going to play a really ugly game, but Chicago looks like they found some life last week against San Francisco, and Pittsburgh, they just look ugly. And even if they win, I don't think they can find a way to win by a touchdown or more. 
So my one football game pick of Monday night will be the Bears to cover the spread. The next five picks that are going to be coming from my round robin are going to be from the NBA. Now the odds for my NBA games aren't updated on Monday and they're definitely not going to be updated for Tuesday yet. But this isn't going to be a problem because I found a way I can work around this and still be transparent with my picks on this podcast. So, starting off in Philadelphia, we got the New York Knicks visiting the 76ers. And I like Philly to cover the spread because the last time these two teams played, New York won by 13 and I think Philly is going to come out strong at home. My second pick is going to be the Miami Heat covering the spread because I just really like how they've been on fire in the early going of this season. And Denver just looks a little bit weak to start off the season. My third slot is going to be the Golden State Warriors covering the spread against the Atlanta Hawks and that's because they've been on fire recently and they're at home. My fourth slot is going to be the Phoenix Suns covering the spread in Sacramento because the last time these two teams played, the Kings won by three. So I think the Suns are going to come out firing. And then my final pick for the NBA game slates is going to be the Lakers to cover the spread at home against the Hornets. My only reasoning here is that the Lakers lost the last two games, one being to the Thunder and the other being in a blowout to the Blazers. So I think they're going to come out swinging. So as you can tell, the NBA games don't have a number attached to the line. Whereas in football, I said the Bears are a plus 7 underdog. My way to get around not having the lines updated right away is to just pick the team and the spread. I don't care what the spread's going to be in the moment, but as soon as they get updated, I'll be making my picks and then I'll submit my picks on Twitter. So if you follow me on Twitter, you'll know exactly what the line is. But don't worry, if you don't follow me on Twitter, you'll find out what the lines were through this podcast when I run back and tell you which bets won and which ones lost. So now to recap what my Monday round robin bet was. I have the Bears, Sixers, Heat, Suns, Lakers, and Warriors all covering their spreads respectively. By putting all of these selections in a round robin betting platform, I'm going to be generating 15 parlays of two team selections for all of these picks. Now if you're not too familiar with round robin betting, I could make these six selections and I can make parlays of three, four, or even five, but I don't really like doing that and I'm just going to stick with parlays of two for now on this podcast. So once my bookie updates the lines, I will put in this bet and then take a screenshot of it and post it on Twitter. I'm also going to be recapping it here on Wednesday to let you know which parts of the bet hit, which didn't, and how much money we've made or lost with that bet. But the betting doesn't stop there. Because on Tuesday, college basketball is back. And just because I feel like it, I want to make a round robin for college basketball as well. My college hoops picks for opening night is going to be UCLA, Alabama, Tennessee, Gonzaga, and Duke to cover their spread, and I think Michigan State is going to have an upset win against Kansas at home. I also feel like sprinkling in two NBA teams for this round robin. So I'm going to be putting the Bucks and the Utah Jazz to cover their spreads on Tuesday as well. In total, that makes this round robin an 18 pick. For the quick recap, I have UCLA, Alabama, Tennessee, Gonzaga, and Duke to cover their spread for college basketball, along with Michigan State to outright win against Kansas. And then in the NBA, I have the Bucks and the Utah Jazz covering their spreads. By having a round robin with eight selections, the only difference from our Monday's round robin is that now we're going to have 28 parlays of two teams instead of 15 parlays of two teams. 
So all it does is it takes all the picks I've made and make a combination of two for every single one. It's kind of like in school when you did all those combination and permutation number stuff. That's really what it does here, but it does it with all my betting picks. Since these two round robin bets for Monday and Tuesday are only practice trials, I'm only going to be putting a dollar bet for each one. So on Monday's round robin, we're going to be risking a total of $15 since we have 15 parlays to be made. And on Tuesday, we're going to be risking $28 since we have 28 parlays of two to be made. I'll be updating you with the results of these two round robins on Wednesday's podcast. And then once you get the general idea of how I place my bets and why I use round robin betting, I can use this gambling concept to build this ape's portfolio. So by the next episode in this podcast, I should have all of the money in my accounts and I should be ready to start this portfolio. You'll get a better understanding of how I make my gambling picks and I'll be ready to start a portfolio of one of its kind. One where everyone will have a chance to know exactly what's going to go in my portfolio and every move is going to be predictable. I like to call it a transparent market. And welcome to my transparent portfolio. To be honest, I'm not really sure how things are going to go, but I'm willing to test it out and let a bunch of strangers know exactly what I'm going to do with my money. And over time, if I actually start building this into a successful portfolio, you'll be more than welcome to join in. And you'll know exactly how to join in. That's the beauty of this whole thing. So until Wednesday, stay safe everybody. Ape out. Alright everybody, today's lesson plan is going to be on the stock market. And I'm going to tell you how one of the first stock markets ever started, along with some of the key moments that occurred in history leading to the stock market that you know of today. Our story begins in Amsterdam. It was in the early 1600s when a silk company offered the first ever initial public offering, or an IPO. This company was the Dutch East India Company, and by offering their shares to the public through the Amsterdam Exchange, they created one of the first stock markets in human history. Amsterdam was the pioneer of the stock markets, and because of this, they were rewarded well. Economically, they started to boom, and the country quickly realized how many people were willing to invest in these markets. It didn't take long before other neighboring countries started to join in, and what Amsterdam created as an initial fad turned out to be a trend that would stick for the ages. Looks like it's another cool thing Amsterdam can add to its country. Now let's fast forward about 200 years and cross the pond over here in America. Although America's first stock exchange is the Philadelphia Stock Exchange that opened in 1790, there were some bigger things brewing during that time period. There were about 24 merchants and economists who at the time were known to be the best, and they would meet under a sycamore tree on 68th and Wall Street. They basically met under this tree to discuss how they can create a system of trust between players in this market. What they came up with were two rules to their exchange. The first rule was that brokers were to only deal with each other. And then the second rule, they would charge a quarter of a percent commission fee for their services. On May 17th, 1792, 
the Buttonwood Tree Agreement was signed and the New York Stock Exchange was created. From 24 people sitting underneath a tree in 1792 to 2,000 employees working right now in Wall Street with face masks on, the New York Stock Exchange has really become a dominant player in the U.S. stock markets. About 100 years after the New York Stock Exchange was created, some new ideas were going to be introduced into the market. Market indexes were about to be created. The first one ever was made by Charles Dow, in 1896 when he made the Dow Jones Industrial Average, which we still use today. Charles created this index so in a way we could track how the corporate industry in America is doing. The portfolio holds 30 stocks and the names of companies like Caterpillar, Boeing, Coca-Cola, American Express, Nike, and Walmart. And the portfolio constantly gets updated based on the market caps of different companies. Economically, it's a good index to track because it gives you a bigger picture of how corporate industry in America is doing. Now, if you want to know how more than just corporate industry in America is doing, there's an index out there you can track that follows up to 500 companies. Now, you've probably heard of it, and it's called the S&P 500, also known as the Standard & Poor's 500. It started all the way in 1923, and the index only followed 233 companies at the time. As time went on, a standard statistic company and a Poor's Publishing Company merged together and then eventually in 1957, the S&P 500 was introduced into the stock market. The index is a pretty simple one. Just track 500 of the largest corporations on the New York Stock Exchange. So if you think tracking the economic growth in a country using only 30 companies is pretty low, well then the S&P 500 has you covered because it tracks 500 for you. Now what's important about these two indexes is that they're used as common benchmarks for how the economy is doing. In terms of investing, you can also use the S&P 500 to see how you're doing in comparison. Our little baby stock market went from trading just one stock on one exchange in Amsterdam to using indexes as financial indicators for old white guys to help determine how the economic growth is doing. Not too bad, little guy, but there was still one area left to improve in. And that area was how trades were actually handled. You see, up until 1970, trades were handled manually. Then in 1971, the National Association of Securities Dealers Automated Quotations was created, better known as the NASDAQ. Originally, they weren't an exchange, and they were only a quotations company so they only had quotes on stocks. But it didn't take long for them to figure out how to become an exchange, and they gave the world the first electronic stock market ever. Now trades could be done electronically, and it wouldn't have to be done broker to broker or to have in-person contact. Not only did you have an exchange that could provide you electronic transactions, but you also had a company that prior was just a quotations company so they always had the price kept up to date. Every 15 seconds, the prices were updated, which was something that was going to be new and game-changing to the stock market world. Then it would also come to no surprise that the NASDAQ exchange was the first one to allow stock market trading online in 1998, and their claim was that it was going to be the stock market for the next 100 years. So far, they're not wrong if you ask me. 
So I hope you can see now that the stock market is just an idea that continues to grow. And there's always room for improvement and innovators to come down the line to show us something that we didn't see before. From the pioneer that started it all with a Dutch East India company in Amsterdam, to eventually having other countries adopt the idea of having exchanges, then getting America on board into the corporate world and opening up its own New York Stock Exchange, which allowed for the creation of indexes to be formed that are being used as economic indicators in our country. And then finally, we got an exchange to figure out how to metrically put this market on an electronic screen. Boy, oh boy, do I love this stock market. I truly hope that if you sat through and listened to this little lesson plan of mine, that you learned something new in the stock market today. But now that the lesson plan is over, this is the part of the class where the teacher tells you their political views and you're just forced to listen. But me, I don't really care about politics, so you're not going to hear that. What you're going to hear is just my two cents on what I think the stock market is. If I had to give a one-word definition of it, it would be opportunity. Now why is that? Because it implies a positive connotation. When someone says they have an opportunity of a lifetime, you don't think anything negative of it. You think that something good's about to happen. Which is why when most people say the stock market is risky, I like to say the right word is opportunity. Now I would never actually say that to their face because I'd look really stupid. But what I'd probably tell them is, well have you thought of investing in just the S&P 500 and not trusting yourself? But that's a lesson for another day. You see, the stock market provides companies with the opportunity to get capital. It provides you with the opportunity to beat inflation. It gives you the chance to build wealth in the long run if you trust it. But most importantly, it gives you a shot at that American dream. The chance to outgrow that 9 to 5 job. The chance to make more money than you ever know what to do with so you can start living comfortably. And the opportunity the stock market provides should not just be taken for granted. Anyone that doesn't see the stock market as opportunistic, but risky instead, well there's the door. I'm joking, don't leave. At least let me tell you why you're wrong. The way I see it, you can truly do one of three things. You can put your own money into the stock market and invest in yourself, which is what I recommend and it's truly the ballsy thing to do. You can do what most people do and trust others with their money by investing with mutual funds or investing in their 401ks. Or you can be the ultimate loser and just hold on to your cash. Now if you're a person in the third tier, please do not feel attacked. It's never too late to change. So I've done the boring task of looking at the past returns for the last 20 years for mutual funds and these indexes I've described. After using my handy dandy calculator, and crunching in some numbers, it turns out these mutual funds get beat out by these indexes quite often. On average, the S&P 500 will return 50% more money, and the Dow has returned up to 100% more money. If you had three people invest $1,000 for the next 20 years and these conditions still held, by the end of it, the S&P 500 account would have $246 more and the Dow account would have $672 more. And the funny thing is, everyone was using the same stock market. So since I've been born, these mutual funds and 401k portfolios 
have been beaten by indexes that were created decades ago. So that just takes me back to my point. Why are you trusting someone else to invest your money? I mean, sure, there might be a learning curve, but you could have a strategy as simple as just investing in these indexes I've described. Because if your plan is to retire by 55 or 60, why don't you just try and start chipping away at those years by learning how to invest yourself? Use this financial instrument that America has provided to you. Because I know I definitely am. And if you want to learn off of my mistakes that I make, feel free to do so. Because for every mistake that I make, I'm that much closer to actually understanding what the hell this market is. Alright class, if you've stuck around for the show for this long, I just want to say thank you, love everyone, and see you on Wednesday. What are you still doing here? Go listen to something else, silly.